Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Going Up Cash, a weekly feel-good podcast where this week we talk about new shows coming to some streaming platforms, exciting things I'm doing on the side, and three brand new classic fairy tales. That's right, this week we talk about the WandaVision trailer and what that could look like. I read three brand new short stories, including The Three Little Pigs, The Velveteen Rabbit, and Jack and the Beanstalk. We're all included in this week's episode. And I talk a little bit about the fun bonus episodes, the mini-series I'm doing with every animated Disney film. I hope you're all doing well. Uh, this week's been pretty good for me. Got a little bit of a headache right now, but that's mostly because I've been staring at screens all day, and that's just not good for anybody. Um, I gotta get me some of those um, yellow-tinted glasses. I had some. I don't know what happened to them. I think they're in a box somewhere. Um, they weren't, like, official gunners. They were just, like, yellow-tinted glasses, and I felt like that was... um sufficient but perhaps it's not i'm not entirely sure i also got my uh my first um utilities bill and i'll be honest that was a bit of an x factor for me uh with with living solo for uh you know for like the the first time really where everything is under under me um and i wasn't really sure how much that was gonna run me in terms of like electricity and water and all that stuff um so i had mentally set aside like you know a chunk of money um, to cover the utilities because I was like, I'm just gonna use utilities like I do. And then, you know, once I get the bill, then I can like wind it back and, you know, make some adjustments. Uh, but it turned out that, um, I had overestimated how much utilities cost by about three times. Um, for example, my water bill was like $15 and I was like, that is significantly less than what I thought it was going to be. I was expecting there to be some zeros attached to, like, the whole thing, but there wasn't. Um, that doesn't mean I'm going to be, like, frivolous with my utilities. It's just nice to know that it is, it's a much lower uh, financial thing than I was expecting. Um, I was expecting, like, a lot. And the fact that it isn't was a, was a tremendous boost for me. And I was just like, oh, yeah, woohoo! Um, basically means I can... Put more money into the savings account than I than I had originally calculated when I was looking at apartments and stuff like that. So that's good news. Um, cheers to that. I hope you're all doing well. Um, I've, I miss you all. Uh, the audiobooks are coming along uh, swimmingly, except for 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. That one will be done eventually. It's such a fucking slog. I mean, if you listened to, to 20,000 Leagues on the podcast itself, you know that that is not the most interesting book. And I apologize for that having gone on for as long as it did because I wasn't enjoying reading it. And uh, by the emails I received, people didn't enjoy listening to it. So thank God that isn't a thing anymore. Because, um, fuck, that was terrible. Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be done eventually. I imagine the latter chapters of that book are going to be me just fucking smashed or something. I'm not sure. It's going to be interesting. I'll tell you that for free. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast, which will be a story. The Three Little Pigs. I know what you're thinking. Really? Really? You're going to read The Three Little Pigs? But you could technically say that about any of these classic stories. Um, and the answer is yes, I am going to th read The Three Little Pigs. Because if I don't, then someone at some point is going to go, Hey, why didn't you do The Three Little Pigs? And then my obvious response to, would be, well, we all know the story of the three little pigs. And then they're like, well, yeah, but, you know, you can have some fun with it. You can put some voices in it. And that's exactly what I'm about to do. Three little pigs. Once upon a time, 
there was an old mother pig who had three little pigs and not enough food to feed them. So when they were old enough, she sent them out into the woods to seek their fortunes. Just like Hansel and Gretel. Okay. The first little pig was very lazy. He didn't want to work at all. And he built his house out of straw. The second little pig worked a little bit harder, but he was somewhat lazy too, and he built his house out of sticks. Then they sang and danced and played together the rest of the day. That sounds like a... That sounds like a fun day. Third little pig worked hard all day and burnt his house, built his house, out of bricks. It was a sturdy house, complete with a fine fireplace and chimney. It looked like it could withstand the strongest winds. Well, I mean, is there any sort of amenities? Do any of them have indoor plumbing? I doubt it. I think we're talking about like an E-orb-style, uh, like, A-frame lean-to. Anyway, the next day, a wolf happened to pass by the lane where the three little pigs lived, and he saw the straw house, and he smelled the pig inside. He thought the pig would make a mighty fine meal, and his mouth began to water. So he knocked on the door, and he said, Little pig, little pig, let me in, let me in. But the little pig saw the wolf's big paws through the keyhole. Wait, his little house straw has a keyhole? Alright, alright, that's impressive. Also, it's not a peephole, it's a keyhole. He installed straw locks in his house. It's a pretty talented pig. I thought he was lazy. Uh, so he answered back, No, 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 not by the hairs on my chinny chin chin. Then the wolf showed his teeth and said, And I'll huff, and I'll puff, and I'll blow your house down. So he huffed and he puffed and he blew the house down. Straw locks and all. The wolf opened his jaw very wide and bit down as hard as he could. But the first little pig escaped and ran away to hide with the second little pig. Also, there's a little drawing here of his straw house. And actually, it looks like like an orb weaver nest. Are they orb weavers? What are those those birds that like, like kind of like you know weave their their nests together? And it's like really pretty. It looks like that. That's what it looks like. Uh, the wolf continued down the lane and he passed by the second house made of sticks. And he saw the house and he smelled the pigs inside and his mouth began to water as he thought about the fine dinner they would make. So he knocked down the door and he said, "Little pigs, little pigs, let me in, let me in." But the little pig saw the wolf's pointy ears through the keyhole. There's a keyhole made of sticks. So they answered back, No, 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 not by the hairs on our chinny chin chin. And the wolf showed his teeth and said, Then I'll huff, and I'll puff, and I'll blow your house down. So he huffed and he puffed, and he blew that house right the fuck down. The wolf was greedy, and he tried to catch both pigs at once. But he was, uh, but he was too greedy and got neither. His big jaws clamped down on naught but air, and the two little pigs scrambled away as fast as their little hooves would carry them. The wolf chased them down the lane, and he almost caught him. But they made it to the brick house and slammed the door before the wolf could catch them. The three little pigs were very frightened. They knew the wolf would want to eat them. And now that was very, very true. The wolf hadn't eaten all day and he had worked up a large appetite chasing the pigs around. Now he could smell all three of them inside and he knew that the three little pigs would make a lovely feast. So the wolf knocked on the door and he said, Little pigs, little pigs, let me in, let me in. The little pig saw the wolf's narrow eye through the keyhole. And they answered back, No, 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 not by the hairs on our chinny chin chin. So the wolf showed his teeth and he said, Then I'll huff, and I'll puff, and I'll blow your house down. Well, he huffed and he puffed. He puffed and he huffed. And he huffed and he huffed and he puffed and he puffed, but he could not blow the house down. At last he was so out of breath he could not huff, and he could not puff anymore. So he stopped to rest and thought a bit, but it was too much. The wolf danced around with rage and he swore that he would come down the chimney and eat the little pig for his supper. When he was climbing onto the roof, the little pigs made up a blazing fire and put on a big pot full of water to boil. Then, just as the wolf was coming down the chimney, the little pig pulled the lid off and plop. In fell the wolf into the scalding water. So the three little pigs put the cover on again, boiled up the wolf, and the three little pigs ate him for supper. That's the end of the story. Jesus fucking Christ.
I mean, these are sentient animals. House building animals. They just murdered a wolf. And, call, and then ate him. I don't remember that in the original story. Fucking, fucking no siree, Bob. Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's the three little pigs. It's, these, these tales are a lot darker than I remember them being, I'll tell you that for free. So, uh, I, I don't think I've mentioned this yet on the on the official podcast, but you'll notice that there's a there's a couple of bonus episodes going up, um, acting as a sort of mini series of reviews as I'm slowly but surely working my way through the um, uh, Walt Disney animated catalog as as alphabetized conveniently for me on Disney Plus. Um, at the time of recording this, I'm like 60 movies deep. Um, it is, uh, it's a tremendous slog, um, in reality. It, it seems like something that'd be, it would seem fun on paper. Let's put it that way. It seemed fun on paper, but, um, it's not, it's not fun. It's, it's, um, there's a lot more bad than good kind of mixed in there. But, um, uh, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about how that came to be, you know, with all of us just locked in our homes, essentially. Um, because, hey, nothing's changed, um, and the world's still on fire, uh, in many places, literally, it is, uh, you know, I just needed something to, something to do, and I got a little tired of, like, rewatching Avatar The Last Airbender again for the one millionth time, even though it's one of the best animated shows ever, so I decided to, I always get, like, this, this weird sense of, maybe not an accomplishment, but a, a mild, uh, bump of, my my desire to be productive if i consume something that i haven't consumed before if i play a new game or watch a new show or in this case watch movies with with a with a uh, goal involved you know um then i have like this this drive pushing me forward and if i and on the flip side if i rewatch something i've seen before i feel like i'm just wasting my time because it's media I have already consumed. It's media I know. So I'm not gaining anything from it. And sure, I'm, I'm re-watching a lot of movies. Um, unless I've seen them recently and I remember them decently well. In which case, I'll just do the review. Because I'm like, oh, I saw that like a week ago. You know, just like casually watching it. Um, so it's that's kind of the, the drive behind it. Um, and I thought it'd be entertaining for, for some people. Especially if you were like me. And you're like, I never saw Bambi 2. Is that any good? The answer is yes. Bambi 2 is pretty good. Um, and there's a couple of hidden gems all over this catalog of, uh, of animated movies. Um, I, I don't think it'll turn into like, I'm not going to do live action after this. That would be absolutely insane. But it's been fun to, to dive into. And I'll, I'll ride it all the way down to Z for Zootopia. And um, we'll wrap it up then. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about it because I know I hadn't uh, even so much as, as acknowledged it on... Um, on the official podcast. So now that I've done that, now that you know, uh, my my goal is that they like, co up on Fridays. Uh, it's not a hard and fast date, um, but I guess it is now. They'll go up on Fridays. I have no idea how many there are going to be. I've made three. I'm working on the fourth one. Um, I try to aim for about an hour, you know, just like a normal podcast, but it really depends on if I enjoy the movies and if I have things to talk about in relation to the movies or not. So that's kind of the kind of the x factor that nobody can nobody can know until after i've seen it and um boy i'm getting sick of looking at animated movies <laughs> let me tell you that for free uh much like harry potter reading i just 
there's a lot of these movies I never want to see ever again. Um, and there's quite a few movies that I could not finish. So, yeah. Anyway, just wanted to give you guys a, a heads up on that. And uh, there you go. I'm going to move on to the next thing in the podcast. Jack and the Beanstalk. I would have expected this story to be a lot longer than it actually is. So, perhaps, perhaps the version of Jack and the Beanstalk we've heard has been, like, mashed together versions? I have no idea. Let's find out. Once upon a time, there lived a poor widow and her son, Jack. One day, Jack's mother told him to sell their only cow. Who's, what was the cow's name? We don't know. Jack went to the market, and on the way, he met a man who wanted to buy his cow. Jack said, what will you give me in return for my cow? The man answered, I will give you five magic beans. Jack took the magic beans, gave the man the cow. But when he reached home, Jack's mother was very angry. She said, you fool! He took away your cow and gave you some beans. She threw the beans out the window. Jack was very sad and went to sleep without dinner. Couldn't even eat his magic beans. The next day, when Jack woke up in the morning, he looked out of the window. He saw a huge beanstalk had grown from his magic beans. He climbed up the beanstalk and reached a kingdom in the sky. There lived a giant and his wife. Jack went inside the house and found the giant's wife in the kitchen. Jack said, could you please give me something to eat? I'm so hungry. The kind wife gave him some bread and milk. While he was eating, the giant came home. The giant was very big and looked very fearsome. Jack was terrified and went and uh, hid inside. The jack cried, Fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the blood of an Englishman. Be he alive or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. The wife said, There's no boy in here. Why is the wife lying to her husband? That's weird. So the giant ate his food and went to his room. Took out his sacks of gold coins, counted them, and kept them aside. Then he went to sleep. In the night, Jack crept out of his hiding place, took one sack of gold coins, and climbed down the beanstalk. And Naomi gave the coins to his mother. His mother was very happy, and they lived well for some time. Climbed to the beanstalk and went to the giant's house again. It, it doesn't say Jack. It just said, climbed to the beanstalk and went to the giant's house again. Once again, Jack asked the giant's wife for food. But while he was eating, the giant returned. Jack leapt up in fright and went and hid under the bed. The giant cried, fee fi fo fum There's not a hyphen there. I smell the blood of an Englishman. Be he alive or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. The wife said, there's no boy in here. Why is the wife lying? It's weird. She's cheating on her husband with this tiny human. Uh, the giant ate his food and went to his room. Then he, there, he took out a hen. He shouted, hey, and the hen laid a golden egg. When the giant fell asleep, Jack took the hen and climbed down the beanstalk. Jack's mother was very happy with him. After some days, Jack once again climbed the beanstalk and went to the giant's castle. For the third time, Jack met the giant's wife and asked for some food. Once again, the giant's wife gave him bread and milk. But while Jack was eating, the giant came home. fee fi fo fum I smell the blood of an Englishman. Be he alive or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. Cried the giant. Don't be silly, there's no boy here, said his wife. The giant had a magical harp that could play beautiful songs. While the giant slept, Jack took the harp and was about to leave. Suddenly, the magic harp cried, Help, master, a boy is stealing me! The giant woke up and saw Jack with the harp. Furious, he ran after Jack, but Jack was too fast for him. He ran down the beanstalk and reached home. The giant followed him down. Jack quickly ran inside his house, fetched an axe. He began to chop the beanstalk. The giant fell and died. Jack and his mother were now very rich and they lived happily ever after. That's it. It's the end of the story. And the, the image that goes along with, with, the, with the story here, we have Jack chopping down the beanstalk and killing a giant. And then what appears to be Jack's mother and the, the wife of the giant just in a house together. And she's got like three cows hanging from her waist and that's it. There's no other explanation. That's the whole story. That's the whole story of Jack and the Beanstalk. Really? Jesus. And that spiraled out of control into a million different things, hasn't it? Like Jack the Giant Slayer. 
And I guess he does technically kill a giant, but it was like an accident. He didn't go up with the intention to kill the giant. He just went up the beanstalk like a little shit and just kept stealing everything from the giant. What a weird... It's weird how, how modern culture and retellings and stuff take like the bare elements of these stories and then just blow them wildly out of proportion. I'm looking at you, live-action adaptations of Alice in Wonderland. Looking right at you. So one of the major driving forces behind Disney Plus uh, was this uh, announcement that they were going to have Marvel Cinematic TV shows that would tie into the grander universe that the movie set up. And we, it's been uh, uh, more than a year since Disney Plus has dropped as a platform. I'm pretty sure about that. Pretty sure. Not 100%, but pretty sure. It's been more than a year uh, since Disney Plus came out. And uh, we haven't gotten any of these Marvel shows yet. But the first trailer dropped for their first show, which is called WandaVision. Which appears to be, as best I can tell, based on... The trailer itself and information I recall from the from from before times. It is uh, Wanda, uh, Scarlet Witch, and Vision um, moving forward through cinematic history, starting in the fifties to like modern day, for some reason, to accomplish something because something's happening to them. The trailer provided no answers. It only intrigued us all more. It's it's. On paper, as of right now, it doesn't look quite like anything I've ever seen before. Which, in and of itself, should be applauded. Because to be truly unique nowadays is a rarity in the highest esteem. Like, it, so many things are like, oh, it's this but different. Oh, it's that but different. And now I'm looking at WandaVision going, I'm not quite sure how to quantify you. You're an oddity. So it could be incredible. Or it could be overreaching and could fall flat. Now... On one hand, I can I can you know rely upon some certainties. Number one, it looks like there's some fucking money behind this. And while money is not necessarily a guarantee of quality, looking at you, John Carter, five hundred million dollar fucking flop. Um, Marvel has a pretty decent track record when it comes to making consumable media that people enjoy. You may not like all the Marvel movies. You may only like some of the Marvel movies, but you can't deny. That it has had a massive impact on popular culture and that it kind of changed the game when it came to what what movies could be. And the Marvel Cinematic Universe brought the comic book experience to the big screen and it made bank. So Marvel knows what it's doing. It's got over a decade's worth of experience making really solid films that appeal to not only general audiences, but to diehard comic book fans. And so the TV shows could be argued as an opportunity to really go in a weird new direction. You know, like maybe the, maybe the movies aren't a, a big place for risk-taking um, when it comes to, like, indie ideas and stuff like that. And the TV shows could be where um, they bring in creators who go, I've got a radical new idea of what we can do with these characters. Let me show you my pitch. And Marvel goes, you know what? Do it. Go for it. Let's see what happens here. And that could be what they're doing with WandaVision. They could go in a completely different direction from what we're all expecting. I'm not sure. I will say I am incredibly excited for it. And it is going to be, unlike Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., 
which did tie into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the beginning, and then that kind of fell by the wayside. And like Daredevil was said to tie into the Cinematic Universe, and then that fell by the wayside. I think these shows, because it's not Daredevil and it's not Jessica Jones, it's fucking Scarlet Witch and Vision, it's Winter Soldier and Hawkeye, it's Falcon, like, these are the fucking guys from the movies, same actors and everything, coming in. And, you know, you can't disassociate them now. It has to be a part of it. So now it's gotten to the point where it's like, oh, if you want to enjoy Doctor Strange in the Mountains of Madness, or the Multiverse of Madness, or whatever the fuck it is, to its fullest, not only do you need to see the 20 plus movies that came before it, but now you also have to watch WandaVision and Loki and Falcon and Winter Soldier and the Hawkeye and his daughter is the new Hawkeye show. You got to watch all this other shit too in order for you to get the full picture. Just like comic books. In order for you to understand what happened to Captain America issue 16, you got to read not only the 15 issues beforehand, but the crossover episode with fucking Spider-Man. And then there's the one where he fought Wolverine in a giant inflatable T-Rex suit. You gotta, you gotta read it all. You gotta consume it all. And while I certainly appreciate media that is uh, that rewards you for being a longtime fan, it's also an incredibly steep barrier of entry. You know, you can't have somebody like jump in at WandaVision, or maybe you could. It'll be interesting to see if if that show is consumable, having not seen any of the other previous things, or. If it's just going to be like, yo, remember when Scarlet Witch was in Sokovia and then her brother died? Hey, remember when Scarlet Witch had a weird accent and then that just fucking disappeared except for when she says things like paprikash? Remember that? No? Okay. I do. I remember it. I remember when she had an accent and then it just suddenly went away and nobody ever talked about it ever again. I remember that. I was there. I was fucking there. I was there day one. Shit's weird and it fucking doesn't follow the continuity. Remember the Hulk was Ed Norton? Anybody? No, just me. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. So I'll be, I'll be eager to see how that how that shakes out. Um, and as demonstrated by my changes to the podcast, I'm a big fan of media that doesn't have a very high barrier of entry. I think people should be able to hop in whenever and enjoy it just as much. You know, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with wanting to be a part of something? You know, people telling me about how the boys season two is really good. I didn't finish season one. You kind of feel left out a little bit because you didn't watch it. I'm not going to because I don't think the show's all that great. But yeah, that's fine. That's my decision. But yeah, WandaVision, very intriguing. Could be really good. We'll find out hopefully soon. That's my next thing podcast. The Velveteen Rabbit by Marjorie Williams. This is a story that I've been aware of my entire life, but I've never actually read it. And by the looks of it, it seems to be like an actual story. So I'm pretty excited about this one. <clears throat> there once was a velveteen rabbit. In the beginning, he was really splendid. He was fat and bunchy as a rabbit should be. His coat was spotted and brown and white, and he had real thread whiskers. And his ears were lined with pink satin. On Christmas morning, he sat wedged in the top of the boy's stocking with a sprig of holly between his paws. The effect was charming. There were other things in the stockings, nuts and oranges and a toy engine and chocolate almonds and a clockwork mouse, but the rabbit was quite the best of all. There's a fucking clockwork mouse? Is that like one of those like old tin toys where you wind up its butt? Probably. For at least two hours. Wow. You got a kid to play with a toy on Christmas morning for two hours? It's a good toy. 
the, the boy loved him, and the aunts and uncles came to dinner, and it was a great rustling of tissue paper and unwrapping of parcels. And the excitement of looking at all the new presents, the Velveteen Rabbit was forgotten. Aw. For a long time, he lived in the toy cupboard or on the nursery floor, and no one thought very much about him. He was naturally shy, being only made of Velveteen. Some of the more expensive toys quite snubbed him. The mechanical toys were very superior, looked down upon everyone else. They were full of modern ideas and pretended they were real. Model Boat, uh, who had lived through two seasons and lost most of his paint, uh, cut the tone from them and never missed an opportunity of referring to his rigging in technical terms. The rabbit could not claim to be a model of anything, for he didn't know that real rabbits existed. He thought they were all stuffed light with sawdust like he was. And he understood that sawdust was quite out of date and should never be mentioned in modern circles. Even Timothy, the jointed wooden lion, who was made by disabled soldiers, should have had broader views, put on airs and pretended he was connected with government. Between them all, the poor little rabbit was made to feel himself very insignificant and commonplace. And the only person who was kind to him was the skin horse. Okay. Please tell me what, pray tell, what skin the horse is made out of. The skin horse had lived longer in the nursery than any of the others. He was so old that his brown coat was bald in patches and showed the seams underneath. And most of the hairs in his tail had been pulled out to string bead necklaces. He was wise, for he had been seen a long succession of mechanical toys arrive to boast and swagger, and by the by, break their mainsprings and pass away. And he knew that they were only toys and would never turn into anything else. For nursery magic is very strange and wonderful, and only those playthings that are old and wise and experienced like the skin horse understand all about it. What is real? Holy shit. Alright, Velvet. Alright, Rabbit. Fucking holy crap. Alright. Asked the rabbit one day when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender before Nana came by to tidy the room. Uh, does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a stick-out handle? Real isn't how you are made, said the skin horse. It is a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? Asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up? He asked. Or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't have an option to people who break easily, who are, have sharp edges, who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off, and your eyes drop out, and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all, because once you are real, you can't be ugly, except to people who don't understand. I suppose you're real, said the rabbit. Then he wished he had not said it, for he thought the skin horse might be sensitive, but the skin horse only smiled. The boy's uncle made me real, he said. That was a great many years ago, but once you are real, you can't become unreal again. It lasts for always. The rabbit sighed. He thought it would be a long time before this magic called real happened to him. He longed to become real, to know what it felt like. Yet the idea of growing shabby and losing his eyes and whiskers was rather sad. He wished that he could become it without these uncomfortable things happening to him. There was a person called Nana who ruled the nursery. Sometimes she took no notice of the playthings lying about, and sometimes, for no reason whatsoever, she went swooping about like a great wind and hustled them all away into cupboards. She called this tidying up, and the playthings all hated it, except especially the tin ones. The rabbit didn't mind it so much. For wherever he was thrown, um, he came down soft. 
One evening when the boy was going to bed, he couldn't help, he couldn't find the China dog that always slept with him. Nana was in a hurry and was too much trouble to hunt for the China dog at bedtimes, so she simply looked about her and seeing that the toy cupboard stood open, she made it to swoop. Here, she said, take your old bunny, he'll do to sleep with you. And she dragged the rabbit out by one ear and put him in the boy's arms. That night, and for many nights after, the velveteen rabbit slept in the boy's bed. At first, he found it rather uncomfortable, for the boy hugged him very tight, and sometimes he rolled over on him, and sometimes he pushed him so far into the pillow that the rabbit could scarcely breathe. And he missed, too, those long moonlit hours in the nursery, when all the house was silent, and his talks with the skin horse. But very soon he grew to like it, for the boy used to talk to him, and made nice tunnels for him under the bedclothes that were like the burrows the real rabbits lived in. Although he said earlier he didn't know if rabbits really existed. Well, perhaps he's learned. And they had splendid games together in whispers when Nana had gone away to her supper and left the nightlight burning on the mantelpiece. And when the boy dropped off to sleep, the rabbit would snuggle down close under his warm chin and dream, with the boy's hands clasped close around him all night long. And so time went on, and the little rabbit was very happy. So happy he never noticed how his beautiful velveteen fur was getting shabbier and shabbier and his tail becoming unsewn, and all the pink rubbed off his nose where the boy had kissed him. Spring came, and they had long days in the gardens, for wherever the boy went, the rabbit went too. He had rides in the wheelbarrow and picnics on the grass, and lovely fairy huts built for him under the raspberry canes behind the flower border. There's a lot of things that fucking line out on it. What are raspberry canes? And the flower border. Okay, whatever. And once, when the boy was called away uh, suddenly to go out to tea, the rabbit was left out on the lawn until long after dusk, and Anna had to come and look for him with the candle because the boy couldn't go to sleep unless he was there. He was wet through with the dew and quite earthy from diving in the burrows the boy had made for him in the flower bed. And Anna grumbled as she rubbed him off with the corner of her apron. You must have your old bunny, she said. Fancy all that fuss for a toy. I mean, you gave him the bunny, it's your fault. The boy sat up in bed and stretched out his hands. Give me my bunny, he said. You mustn't say that he isn't a toy. He's real. When the little rabbit heard, he was happy. For he knew that's what Skin Horse had, uh, had said was true at last. That the nursery magic had happened to him, and he was a toy no longer. He was real. The boy himself had said it. That night he was almost too happy to sleep, and so much love stirred in his little stardust heart that it almost burst. And into his boot button eyes that long ago had lost their polish, there came a look of wisdom and beauty, so that even Anna noticed it the next morning when she picked him up, and said, I declare if that old bunny hasn't got quite a knowing expression. That was a wonderful summer. Near the house where they lived was a wood, and in the long June evening, the boy liked to go there after tea to play. He took the velveteen rabbit with him, and before uh, he wandered off to pick flowers, or to play brigands among the trees, he always made the rabbit a little nest somewhere among the bracken, where he would be quite cozy, for he was a kind-hearted little boy, and he liked the bunny to be comfortable. One evening, when the rabbit was lying there alone, watching the ants that ran to and fro between his velvet paws in the grass, he saw two strange beings creep out of the tall bracken near him. They were rabbits like himself, but quite furry and brand new. They must have been very well made, for their seams did not show at all, and they changed their shape in queer ways uh, when they moved. One minute they were long and thin, the next fat and bunchy, instead of always staying the same like he did. Their feet padded softly on the ground and they kept crept quite close to him, uh, twitching their nose when the rabbit stared hard um, to see which side the clockwork stuck out, for he knew that people who jumped generally had something to wind them up, but he couldn't see it. They were evidently a new kind of rabbit altogether. They stared at him, and the little rabbit stared back. And all the time, their noses twitched. Why don't you get up and play with us? I don't feel like it, said the rabbit, for he did not want to expl uh, explain that he had no clockwork. Ho! said the furry rabbit. It's as easy as anything. And he gave a big hop sideways and stood on his hind legs. Um, 
Um, I don't believe you can, he said. I can, said the little rabbit. I can jump higher than anything. He meant when the boy threw him, but of course he did not want to say so. Can you up on your hind legs? Asked the fur rabbit. That was a dreadful question, for the velveteen rabbit had no hind legs at all. The back of him was made all in one piece, like a pincushion. And he still sat, uh, sat still in the bracken, hoping the other rabbits wouldn't notice. I don't want to, he said again. But the wild rabbits had very sharp eyes. And this one stretched out its neck and looked. He hasn't got any hind legs. He called that fancy rabbit without any hind legs. He began to laugh. I have, cried the little rabbit. I've got hind legs. I'm sitting on them. Then stretch them out and show me like this, said the wild rabbit. Again, a whirl round and dance till the little rabbit got quite dizzy. I don't like dancing, he said. I'd rather sit still. But all the while, his um, but all the while he was longing to dance for a funny new tickling feeling ran through him, and he felt he would give anything in the world to be able to jump about like these rabbits did. <clears throat> the strange rabbit stopped dancing and came quite close. He came so close this time that his long whiskers brushed the velveteen rabbit's ear, and then he wrinkled his nose suddenly and flattened his ears and jumped backwards. Hey, I doesn't smell right. He exclaimed, he isn't a rabbit at all. He isn't real. I am real, said the little rabbit. I am real. The boy said so, and nearly began to cry. There's then there were the sound of footsteps, and the boy ran past uh, ran past near them with a stamp of feet and a flash of white tails. The two strange rabbits disappeared. Come back and play with me, called the little rabbit. Oh, do come back. I know I'm real. But there was no answer. Only the little ants ran to and fro, and the bracken swayed gently when the two strangers had passed. The velveteen rabbit was all alone. Oh dear, that. Why did they run away like that? Why couldn't they stop and talk to me? For a long time, he lay very still, watching the bracken, hoping they would come back. But they never returned. And presently, the sun sank lower, and the little white moths fluttered out, and the boy came and carried him home. Weeks passed, and the little rabbit got very old and shabby, but the boy loved him just as much. He loved him so hard that he loved all his whiskers off, and the pink lining in his ears turned gray, and his brown spots faded. He even began to lose his shape, and he scarcely looked like a rabbit anymore, except to the boy. To him, he was always beautiful, and that was all the little rabbit cared about. He didn't mind how he looked to other people because the nursery magic made him feel real. And when you are real, shabbiness doesn't matter. And then one day, the boy was ill. His face grew very flushed, and he talked in his sleep, and his little body was so hot that it burned the rabbit when he held him close. Strange people came and went in the nursery, and a light burned all night. And through it all, the velveteen rabbit lay there, hidden from sight under the bedclothes, and he never stirred. For he was afraid that if they found him, someone might take him away, and he knew that the boy needed him. It was a long, weary time, for the boy was too ill to play, and the little rabbit found it rather dull with nothing to do all day long. What a piece of shit. I'm bored because my master's dying. Meh. But he snuggled down patiently and looked forward to the time when the boy would be well again, and they'd go out into the garden amongst the flowers and the butterflies and play splendid games in the raspberry thicket like they used to. The raspberries grow in a thicket? There's a blackberries. I guess they could supposedly both grow in a thicket. Also, I would kill for a raspberry thicket. You crazy? Oh, man. I'd fucking eat raspberries all the live long day. Be delicious. Mmm. Where was I? All sorts of delightful things he planned. While the boy lay half asleep, he crept close to the pillow and whispered them in his ear. Nice. And presently, the fever turned, and the boy got better. He was able to sit up in bed and look at picture books while the little rabbit cuddled close to his side. And one day, they let him get up and get dressed and do things again, I guess. I don't know. It was a bright, sunny morning, and the window stood open. They had carried the boy out onto the balcony, wrapped in a shawl, and the little rabbit lay tangled up among the bedclothes, thinking. The boy was going to Seaside tomorrow. Uh, everything was arranged. Now it only remained to carry out the doctor's orders. They talked all about it while the little rabbit lay under the bedclothes, with just his head peeping out and listened. The room was to be disinfected, and all the boys and toys that the boy made, uh, had played with in bed must be burnt. Hooray! thought the rabbit. Tomorrow we shall go to Seaside! For the boy had often talked of seaside, and he wanted very much to see the big wave come in and the tiny crabs in the sandcasts. Just then, Nana caught sight of him. Uh, 
How about this old bunny? She asked. That, the doctor said. Why, it's a mass of scarlet fever germs. Burn it at once. What? Nonsense. Get him a new one. He mustn't have that anymore. And so the little rabbit was put into a sack with the old picture books and a lot of rubbish and carried out to the end of the garden behind the fowl house. That was a fine place to make a bonfire. Only the gardener was too busy uh, just then to attend to it. He had the potatoes to dig and the green peas to gather, but next morning he promised to come quite early and burn the whole lot. That night, the boy slept in a different bedroom, and he had a new bunny to sleep with him. It was a splendid bunny, all white plush with real glass eyes, but the boy was too excited uh, to care very much about it. For tomorrow, he was going to Seaside, and that itself was a wonderful thing. He could think of nothing else. While the boy was asleep, dreaming of the seaside, the little rabbit lay among the old picture books in the corner behind the fowl house, and he felt very lonely. The sack had been left untied, and so by wriggling a bit, he was able to get his head through the opening and look out. He was shivering a little, for he had always been used to sleeping in a proper bed, and by this time his coat had worn so thin and threadbare from uh, hugging that it was no longer any protection to him. Nearby, he could see the thicket of raspberry canes growing tall and close like a tropical jungle, in whose shadows had uh, played the boy on well, in whose shadows he had played with the boy on bygone mornings. He thought of those long sunlit hours in the garden, how happy they were. And a great sadness came over him. He seemed to see them all pass before him, each more beautiful than the other. Fairy huts in the flower beds, the quiet evenings in the woods where he lay in the bracken, the little ants ran over his paws. The wonderful day when he first knew he was real. He thought of the skin horse, so wise and gentle, and all that he had told him. But of what use was it to be loved and lose one's beauty and become real if it all ended like this? And a tear, a real tear, trickled down his shabby little velvet nose and fell to the ground. And then something strange happened. From where the tear fell, a flower grew out of the ground, a mysterious flower. Not at all like any that grew in the garden. It had slender green leaves, the color of emeralds, and in the center of the leaves, a blossom like a golden cup. It was so beautiful that the little rabbit forgot to cry and just lay there watching it. And presently, the blossom opened, and out there stepped a fairy. She was quite the loveliest fairy in all the world. Her dress was of pearl and dewdrops, and there were flowers around her neck and in her hair, and her face was like the most perfect flower of all. And she came close to the little rabbit and gathered him up in her arms and kissed him on his velvet nose that was all damp from crying. Little rabbit, she said, don't you know who I am? The rabbit looked up at her and it seemed to him that he had seen her face before, but he couldn't think of where. I am the nursery magic fairy. Oh, of course. I fucking... <laughs> three guesses who, am I right? Anyway, she said, I take care of all the playthings that the children have loved. And when they are old and worn out and the children don't need them anymore, then I come to take them away with me and turn them into real. Wasn't I real before? Asked the little rabbit. You were real to the boy, the fairy said, because he loved you. Now you shall be real to everyone. She held the little rabbit close in her arms and flew with him into the wood. It was light now, for the moon had risen. All the forest was beautiful, and the fronds of the bracken shone like frosted silver. In the open glade between the tree trunks, the wild rabbits danced with their shadows on the velvet grass. But when they saw the fairy, they all stopped dancing and stood round in a ring to stare at her. I've brought you a new playfellow, the fairy said. You must be very kind to him and teach him all he needs to know in rabbit land, for he's going to live with you forever and ever. She kissed the little rabbit again and put him down on the grass. Run and play, little rabbit, she said. But the little rabbit sat quite still for a moment and never moved. For when he saw all the wild rabbits dancing around, he suddenly remembered about his hind legs. He did not want them to see that he was made all in one piece. He did not know that when the fairy kissed him that last time, she had changed him altogether. And that he might have sat there a long time, too shy to move. If just then something hadn't tickled his nose, before he thought of what he was doing, he lifted his hind toe to scratch it. And he found that he actually had hind legs. Instead of dingy velveteen, he had brown fur, soft and shiny, and his ears twitched by themselves. His whiskers were so long they brushed the grass. 
He gave one leap of joy, and using those hind legs was so great that he went springing about the turf on them, jumping sideways and whirling around as the others did. And he grew so excited then when at last he did he, he did stop to look for the fairy. She was gone. He was a real rabbit at last, and home with the other rabbits. Autumn passed in winter, and in spring, when the days grew warm and sunny, the boy went out to play in the wood behind the house. And while he was playing, two rabbits crept out of the bracken and peeped at him. One of them was brown all over, but the other had a strange marking under his fur, as though long ago he had been spotted, and the spots still showed through. And about his little soft nose, his round black eyes, there was something familiar. So the boy thought to himself, Why, he looks just like my old bunny I lost when I had scarlet fever. But he never knew that it really was his own bunny, come back to look at the child who had first helped him to be real. That was magical! What a sweet story that is! Aw, man! That's great! Also, that kid had scarlet fever? Fuck, yeah, yeah, burn that rabbit. Oh man. That was great. I liked that one a lot. It's the best one I've read so far. Almost made me cry. Thank you all very much for listening to this week's episode of The Going Up Cast. I hope you enjoyed the the stories, the, uh, the news, and uh, the bonus episodes that are going up uh, periodically throughout the next couple of weeks. Um, until I've seen all of the movies. I hope you're all doing well out there. I know these are scary times, um, but as a, as a wise man once said, these are, these are hard times, not end times. At least as far as I can tell. But we gotta keep our heads high, we gotta stay strong, wash your damn hands, wear that mask over your nose, and I will see you all next week for another episode. Have a good one, everyone. <laughs>